Guardian angels and patron saints, pray for us. Well, our readings today bring us to a review of the call of our priestly shepherds and their responsibilities. The last time these, this theme emerged in the readings uh, was back in April, I believe. And I preached on this, this particular topic in the context of the church's teaching on contraception. Now, uh, today, or this weekend, marks the 50th anniversary of that landmark document I preached about, Humana Vitae, which established the Catholic Church's uh, definitive teaching on the use of artificial contraception. Um, and if you were here for that homily or would like to review it, all that's posted on our, on our website, and I encourage you to go back. Uh, if, you, if you didn't hear it, not because it was a particularly good homily, it was actually, I think, the longest I ever preached in my entire priesthood. Uh, not because it was particularly good, but because um, it offers you something that would be helpful to familiarize yourself with the church's basic teaching on this question. Uh, if you've ever been in conversations where uh, somebody will belittle or attack or mock the church's teaching and you found yourself without anything to say, well, that homily is meant to help you and equip you with some idea about how to present this in a positive light, that it's a good thing and not just a a holdover from the past. So um, I believe it's the fourth Sunday of Easter. It's posted on our website. The title of the homily is Hirelings. And I also encourage you to, to listen to another homily, which was meant to be a kind of preparation for that. A question of conscience was the title of it from the second Sunday of Lent. Because oftentimes when the topic of contraception and the church's teaching on Humana Vitae is brought up, um, the, the point is made, well, my conscience tells me otherwise and I have to follow my conscience. I try to clarify what that actually means in the context of that homily, and particularly in context of the church's teaching on contraception. So um, just offer those as resources for you to go back and listen to, along with the associated materials and articles that I posted on our website. However, I don't think any of us who are paying attention to recent headlines regarding the church can hear these readings and not think of the present case um, surrounding the accusations against one of the princes of the church, Cardinal McCarrick, one of the former archbishops of Washington, D.C. A lot of very understandable outrage over the accusations that have been leveled against him and the continued cover-up and lack of transparency to listen to those victims, listen to the people who were associated with them, and root out that corruption in the church. Very understandable outrage in the press. But as always, I think it's an important thing in the context of our Catholic faith to read those headlines through the eyes of the church and, and of Christ, of our, of our grasp of eternal things and our self-understanding as Catholics, members of the body of Christ. And the accusation, which is often explicit and sometimes only implicit, is that if the men of the church are corrupt, the church is corrupt. The church is not corrupt. The church is holy and pure without spot or blemish because the church is the bride of Christ. The wounds on the body of Christ do not make Christ's body unholy. Those who scourged Jesus' body did not render his body 
unholy. His body remained holy even as it was disfigured by the sins of those he was there to save. To those voices which say differently that the corruption of men in the church is in fact the equivalent of the corruption of the church, I ask, how would we react if we were to discover that our father was committing adultery? There'd be a lot of emotions, anger, confusion, sadness. But would we blame our mother? No. We would cling to her more closely. We would try to console her by the warmth of our love. We would stick with her. When the church has been wronged by one of her members, it should evoke within us a desire for reparation and a determination to respond to Christ's call with greater fidelity. This fidelity is shown in little things that nobody notices, that never make it into newspapers, that never make it onto social media. Our fidelity to the Lord, getting up on time, doing our day's work and doing it well, in bearing with our sufferings for love of Jesus, looking after our prayer in service to our neighbor, our determination to turn away from sin. Even as we rightly strive and demand greater transparency and accountability in the church and in her leadership, we only further wound the body of Christ if we, in our denunciations, are not themselves the result of our own striving for greater fidelity. It is through the church, says St. Paul, that we all have access in one spirit to the Father. It is through the church that we hear the voice of our true shepherd who never betrays us, who never betrays the church. And in listening to his voice, we are the people of his flock. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.